You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel, and today I have the lovely Amber Trueblood to talk to us about overwhelm and stress. So I'm very much looking forward to this conversation because I know uh, that might resonate with a lot of our listeners. So Amber, thank you for making the time to be here with us today. Thank you for having me. I do have to say right off the get-go, your voice is so calming that I think that's the first step to anybody who's looking to reduce stress and overwhelm. Just listen to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, your voice is just so naturally soothing. I love it. Oh, thank you. Um, I do I do get that um, quite often. That's funny. Yeah. So f- before we get going, I always love to ask my guests what their definition of the art of parenting is? Oh, well, I always like to bring everything back to the individual. So my answer would be based in, in the fact that everybody is different. And so the art of parenting for you might look different than for me and for your sister-in-law and for your neighbor. And so to me, the art of parenting is when what's most important to you is something that you're going to be able to access and feel good about in your parenting life on a daily basis. I like that. Yes. And it is, especially when we have multiple children, we know that they're all different. So right. we, have to be, <laughs> we have to be very creative, right? <laughs> creative, flexible. And just when you think you have it all figured out, right? Then exactly. something happens two days later and you're like, all right, well, back to the drawing board. Yes. And and actually, I was just talking to somebody earlier and how we were saying that, you know, we need to see the child as a new child each and every day, just because they are evolving every day and, and so different. So beautiful. So before we get uh, involved in our conversation, I'd love if you would share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background and the work that you're doing today. Sure, I'd love to. I am a licensed therapist, an author, mom coach, and mother to four boys who at the given moment are 10, 12, and I always have to like pause because it never comes quickly, their ages, because they keep changing. They keep That's right. getting older. <laughs> all right. So it's uh, 10, 12, 14, and 15 years old right now, and they're all boys. Wow. So a nice full house. 
Exactly. That's wonderful. And and tell us a little bit about your your background and and so the work you say you're an author. I know you have a book that is coming out soon. Yes, very soon, June sixth, right around the corner. And the book is the book is thank you. It's called <laughs> The Unflustered Mom, and it's obviously we're not constantly consistently unflustered, but the goal I feel for for me to share with parents is to get you to a state of you know unfluster so that you can really flourish in your life, both as an individual and as a parent. And so it's all about, for me, providing practical, realistic strategies and tools and mindsets and support so that you can show up as the type of parent that makes you feel good about yourself so that at the end of the day, you know, you feel, you know, satiated and happy and not exhausted and resentful and angry and frustrated and on and on. Sounds delightful. And I know that you talk about kind of the the five anxiety styles. And if you wouldn't mind kind of touching on on those styles and, and kind of explaining to our listeners what those might be? Yes, definitely. Well, you hear the term anxiety a lot lately. And I'm I'm happy that now, you know, people are realizing more and more appreciating how how much it's affecting people's lives, whether it's something you deal with chronically and it's very severe, or it's just a, a mild, constant state of anxiety or worry. And I think a lot of new parents deal with this regularly, and it's difficult to manage when it's ongoing, right? When it's, even if it's a low level of stress, we all know this now, that it's it's so impactful to so many areas of your life, right? Not only your relationships and your mood and your parenting and your patience and your flexibility, but also your your physical body, right? The physiology in your body is also taxed when you have even low to moderate levels of, of stress and anxiety that are enduring. So what I like to bring to the table and talk about most is that, you know, anxiety looks different in everyone. It is not a one size fits all concept. And because of that, because what might spark your anxiety is different from what might spark my anxiety and what might your anxious symptoms look like are going to be different than mine. For instance, you might you know, be really feeling quite anxious and your reaction might be to kind of shut out everybody, you know, not answer your phone, not want to get out of your pajamas. And, you know, as soon as the kids are in bed, you're dipping into the the Chardonnay or the ice cream, right? And my reaction might be, you know, throwing myself into work and, you know, not eating and not sleeping well. So we all react very differently. And because of that, the strategies that are going to help you are different from the strategies that are going to help me. So the five anxiety styles framework serves as a way to help us better understand what's triggering us, where our anxiety is stemming from, so that then we can get the tools that are most likely to help us. Okay. And what do you mind sharing what those five styles might be? I don't mind. I love talking about this, of course. Okay. So I'm going to give you the five and then you can pick one and and we'll dig into that. So we have the lover, the fighter, the executive, the visionary, and the dynamo. Oh my goodness. Hmm. And there's a quiz just so you know. So you can, there's an online quiz you can take and 
That way you can, you know, you might hear yourself in some of these as we describe them, but for those of you listening, then you could go to flourishquiz.com and and see which one um, you come up as. Okay. I kind of like the sound of visionary. Okay, great. So a lot of, interestingly enough, a lot of the podcast interviewers that I meet with are visionaries. So I'm not surprised. Visionaries and dynamos, those are the two that are a lot in the entrepreneur world, though not, you know, not all for sure. Um, So visionaries, like as in the title, are going to be driven most by their, their ultimate big impact goal, right? They are future focused. They are functioning from their heart and their gut and their instinct um, and not necessarily concerned with a lot of little tedious steps, right? Their focus is on big picture and big future. And because of that, some of the things that can cause a lot of anxiety in specifically in visionaries are when you either feel like you're really, you know, you're meant for something, you know, you're here to do something big, but you haven't figured out what it is yet. And that could be very frustrating for visionaries. Um, Or you know exactly what it is, um, but you feel like maybe somebody's already doing it. And that's, that could be very frustrating or somebody's doing it better than you, or you don't have the time and space you want to devote to it. So, or other people really don't understand your vision. And so those are some of the things that can cause a lot of anxiety for visionary moms and some of the strategies. So like in the book, I go into very, and I won't go into more detail on this one, so we can hit on all of them a little bit, but each one has kind of a set of contributing factors, triggers, Um, They have specific in-the-moment strategies that I recommend for visionaries, preventative strategies. And what I mean by preventative strategies would mean like kind of daily strategies of self-care that are going to be most restorative for this anxiety style. Um, And then kind of an overall life lesson. So, and I'll skip straight to that for the visionary. It would be really learning how to enjoy the journey along the way really, and how to connect with those around you that are there supporting you so that when you're 100 years old and you're holding your copy of Forbes magazine where you're on the cover or name your favorite magazine, whatever that might be, um, that you're also surrounded by loved ones who supported you during that journey Um, and not that you're kind of on your own with the magazine. Does that make sense? Right. No, totally. Totally. And, and, and you hit it right on, (laughs) right on the nail about, (laughs) about the visionary. It's, it's, for me, it's, it's, I know what I want to do and accomplish and all this, but it's, it's the, the frustration of the time and sometimes the support and kind of getting, stuck in, you know, in the the day to day Mm -hmm. functioning of of my business and and so forth. Because just just like this podcast, I I took a little break thinking, okay, I just need a month off to kind of regroup because I I was burnt out. I was doing everything myself. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being a a full year. Uh, (laughs) And then I found somebody to support me and to help me with the editing and all that. And and now it's you know, working smoothly, but, but it's, it's interesting how, but the, the thing is, is how does that uh, kind of correlate or translate into parenting? Yeah. Well, I mean, to me in the, in the simplest form, it's, you know, when you 
have less anxiety, less feelings of overwhelm and stress, you're going to be more patient, right? You're going to be more able to tune in to the people in your life in that moment and be present, be consciously present in your life more uh, often. You're going to be able to sleep better, right? Which means you're going to be able to function better as a parent. So it really affects, you know, to me, my main goal for helping moms specifically is I feel like, you know, you, ha- you have to help yourself first, you know, emotionally, psychologically, and, and physically so that you can be the best version of yourself to show up for your kids. And that's both through modeling, right? Because the more you're taking care of yourself emotionally and physically, you're modeling that for your kids. They're watching. You can't say, eat, you know, eat healthy food and then have them see you never sit down, never eat a meal. I mean, and I'm saying things that we all do in part, you know, where you're just grabbing the leftover, you know, food off of everybody's plates as you walk into the sink, (laughs) right? And then you're like, I think I ate. I don't, I'm not hungry, but I don't remember actually like ever sitting to eat anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, that to me is so important is to sit down with your children each and every day, at least, at least for one of those meals, because um, it's funny, it's funny, you you use that as an example, because I've been, I've been consulting at this co-working space with, with childcare, that's just a delightful place. And I had a dad look at me, he was, he was holding his child on the lunchbox in one and she was just picking and he looks at me and goes, is this, is this okay? I was like, oh, well, <laughs> it would be better if you were sitting down with her, but <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> it is. It is. So w- would you mind going into one other of these? Oh, yeah. Styles? I mean, I'd love to cover all of them briefly if okay, we have the okay. time. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Because the, the Dynamo one was intriguing to me. Okay. So Dynamo moms are driven most by their um, action, right? So they are doers. They are in action. They seek to achieve, achieve, achieve. Um, They are also highly attuned to wanting to receive respect, acknowledgement, appreciation for all of that doing that they're doing. Um, Not only do they enjoy it, it's very and, you know, all of these have kind of these pos- the positive aspects of this anxiety style. So you develop these amazing, I call them, you know, superhero qualities that are incredible. And, you know, in the book, it's all about trying to figure out where, where this style is serving you. And let's celebrate that because that's fantastic. And not everybody has those skills and abilities. And maybe let's also look at where it's not serving you any longer And what can we do to support and shift through that? So, you know, Dynamo moms are very achievement oriented. And like I said, everybody has different, you know, they'll have different triggers, different, you know, strategies that will help them in times of overwhelm and in times of anxiety. But ultimately, their life lesson is to feel worthy regardless of their accomplishments. They're going to always keep accomplishing because that's in their nature. And that's what, you know, by and large brings them a lot of joy. But if it's done out of, I have to, because I am not already enough, you know, that's coming from a very different place. And so the life lesson is learning how to be yourself, enjoy all of these amazing traits that you've developed as a dynamo mom and know that, you know what, you're already enough. Right. 
you are already there. And how can you seek to shift from, you know, seeking that external appreciation and acknowledgement into a little bit more? I mean, I don't think it ever completely goes away. We all love to feel appreciated and acknowledged by others. Um, But can we have a little bit more self, right? Self-appreciation. So as a dynamo mom myself, one of the things that I do is I have an accountability partner, a friend of mine in a totally different business, but she, and she has no children and she is, uh, but she's a dynamo. So we're very similar. And so every night on WhatsApp, uh, we leave each other messages where we share three either wins or things we're proud of of ourselves. Because what happens with Dynamos so often is we achieve something. So say, oh, I got 5,000 do- downloads, right, on my podcast. Immediately, Dynamos will go to, okay, well, what can I shift to get to 10? They rarely even take a minute to celebrate the 5,000. And so it's just this constant revolving goal setting, achieving next goal, goal setting, achieve it next goal, you know? And so, you know, one of the strategies I have for dynamos is to really stop, celebrate, get into gratitude, really feel that appreciation for yourself and acknowledge it and enjoy it. Even though you you do enjoy the process of achieving the next thing, but let's slow down a little bit get into the present moment. And, you know, dynamos like visionaries are forward thinking as well. But instead of kind of making decisions from their heart or their gut, they tend to make decisions more, um, I say rationally, but more from their brain, more from their mind. And so, you know, I also have a, a big chapter in the book that talks about, you know, the relationship between all of these, you know, so if you are a visionary, and you are your partner is a dynamo, where do you, where do you find common ground and where do you maybe want to shift how you're speaking to them so that you can communicate your thought or belief or opinion a little bit more effectively? And that makes sense. And I, and I imagine that we also have maybe more than one style. Yeah. So a lot of people will have one primary and one secondary. And I have another version of the quiz that breaks it down into percentages so that you can see, okay, wow, I'm really these two neck and neck, or I'm mostly this one and a little bit lover or a little bit fighter. Right. And when you were describing the dynamo, I was also thinking of children, right, of how I know for for me, I, I, I tend to stay away from all the rewards and the kind of overpraise, mm-hmm. because I feel that that gives them this, you know, feeling that they, they that they need exterior motivation or exterior praise in instead of just the intrinsic value of just feeling good about accomplishing something and and doing it, right? So would that type of anxiety have stemmed from maybe somebody that was constantly rewarded? I mean, would that make sense? Or Definitely can. It can be just that they saw somebody else in their life that had achieved some incredible things. And so they sought that out for themselves. You know, as you know, you can have you know, children who are raised in the same house with the same, you know, the same gender, the same roles, the same everything. And, you know, the, and the same experiences and they take on very different personalities. So anxiety styles are, are similar. So 
what is going to impact one child may not impact another the same way. But yes, it can definitely come from, you know, wanting to seek that validation from others through achievements. Okay, perfect. Do you want to do one more or? or? Yeah, let's do them. Okay, which one? Uh, How about lover? Okay, so lover moms are very driven by their relationships with the people that they care most about in this world. And it's also aligned with feeling wanted, feeling liked, feeling uh, a sense of belonging. So, you know, what triggers these moms are going to be very different too. So lover moms will say that, you know, coming home to an empty house can be triggering. They could say a, a phone call or a text from your partner saying, hey, I've, I'm going to be home late tonight without further explanation can be very triggering. So one of the things that I recommend for lover moms is to communicate to their partner, hey, you know, it would be so helpful if, you know, if you're going to be late, if you just give me one more sentence about like one more sentence of detail and make a plan for connecting later. So instead of saying, hey, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be late. That's it. Uh, you might say, oh, I have this presentation I'm working on. I have to have it done by 9 a.m. tomorrow. And it's a really big deal because the district manager is coming in. I, I'm going to be home late. How about we order some Indian food and we can watch Ted Lasso when I get home? So with lovers, they want to hear, okay, they're not trying to avoid me. You know, a, an, a spiraling thought can be, oh, well, he just, he doesn't even want to come home or he wants to go out for drinks with somebody and he's embarrassed to tell me, or, you know, he is just making up work because, you know, he doesn't like spending time with me. And and that's where kind of your mind goes as a lover often. And so imagine coming home to that kind of, you know, um, insecurity of, well, where were you? Well, why did you have to stay so late? Well, what was happening? Instead, if you give just a little bit more detail and make a connection, a plan for connecting later in the evening or the next day or the weekend, you're so much more likely to be greeted <laughs> with an understanding, um, you know, partner than if you don't do that. So it really benefits everybody. But part of this, you know, five anxiety styles is to understand yourself. So then you can communicate to your partners a little bit more effectively. And when you read about your partner style, then you might be able to uh, have some aha moments of like, oh, no wonder when, you know, because sometimes, you know, something that seems like a an amazing, you know, surprise to one anxiety style might really trigger somebody else. So I, I can go on to executive for this example. So executives are very driven by their need to feel emotionally secure and safe. So a lot of their energy is spent in planning and organizing and controlling who's doing what and when, and they're future oriented um, and very, you know, facts and figures. They're very um, dependable, loyal, trustworthy, and good communicators. So, you know, if a lover, for instance, comes home from work and says, oh my gosh, my boss just gave us her beach house for the weekend because she's not going to use it. Like... Let's do it. Start packing. Like we could, it's amazing. This beach house, you're not going to believe it. It's incredible. And the executive is thinking, 
okay, well, the kids have soccer games in the morning. We were supposed to, you know, I was supposed to work on the tax paperwork, remember, and then we were going to do this. And, and so knowing that, you know, the executive could say, okay, I could tell you're really excited about this. I'm sure it's amazing. In my head, I'm thinking of all the things I need to change, which is really stressing me out. So I'll get to the point where I'm excited about it, but I might need us to like not go until the morning and give me maybe an hour to kind of text people, change plans, pack up everything, and then we can go. Yes. It's so funny when you're describing these, I'm I'm thinking of myself and my husband. So that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just going, oh, yes, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's and it's my hope that then really at the bottom, you know, at the foundation of everything for me in this five anxiety styles framework is that we learn to have more compassion for ourselves and more compassion for others. And that from there, you're going to have better communication, you're going to have less stress and anxiety, and you're going to be a better parent because you're not going to be you know, arguing as much, bickering as much, or having as much self-blame and you know, self-doubt as you otherwise would have. Right. And it, it seems like a, a perfect compliment too to the the book about the the five love languages. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, you know, methodology behind it being that like once you understand how you want to receive and give love, you know, then you can better, you know, communicate that to others. And if they know your love language, you know, so yes, it's very, very similar in that it's like a ticket inside somebody's brain, like, Oh, or like a like a combination to their lock. Like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I, I understand you. Yeah, that and and what I love about it is always just also just getting to know yourself, right? Why why you get so triggered by you know certain situations and, and such. And if you you understand, and and I really appreciate that you give us also ways to communicate what our style is and and how to deal with it. So that's great. Uh, the last one is the fighter. Yes. So the last one is the fighter. And this is an interesting one because, and you're probably going to, someone will pop into your head as I describe this. So fighters are people who label themselves and really consider themselves survivors, right? So they are strong. They are resilient. They are protectors. So they are people who will move toward uh, a challenge, uh, a chaotic situation. They will move forward to protect somebody when there is an unfairness, an injustice, a bully, you know, and it could have nothing to do with them. So I would say like, you might know you're a fighter if a lot of people in your life tell you, why are you even getting involved in that? It doesn't even have anything to do with you, but you can't help it because when you see something that's unfair or unjust, or there's an underdog, you will step forward even if you're exhausted, even if you're fighting battles on five other fronts, it's very challenging for you to not go in and try to save somebody. And, you know, a lot of fighters grow up in situations where they had a lot of trauma or a lot of chaos or a lot of instability that felt unsafe and did not have a parental figure to come in and protect them when they needed and deserved it. And so they learned how to be their own protector and keep going, right? Keep going in that role to protect others. The unfortunate thing about this is that um, that's exhausting. It's really exhausting. And 
so what I hope for and what I try to share in this book uh, is for fighters to learn to become more conscious of where they want to enter conflict into their life. So they might have always had financial ups and downs, right? A lot of financial, you know, windfalls and then struggle and then windfalls and then struggle or relationships that are just like amazing and wonderful and then just disastrous over and over and over again. And so they might feel like, oh, I just, I can't, I just want a easy, fun, loving relationship. However, that can be very unsettling and uncomfortable for fighters who are very accustomed to the chaos. They almost feel more comfortable in those chaotic, challenging situations because they know how to they know how to do it. They know how to fight. What can feel very uncomfortable for them is when all is well. So when we talk about triggers, a triggering situation for a fighter might be everything's going really smoothly right now. <laughs> right. And so for them, they're on heightened alert. Like, uh-oh, I don't want to be caught with my, you know, trousers down. Like I need to be on alert because something's going to happen and I got to be ready for it. And so fighters, you know, the the lesson for fighters is how can I begin to feel safe when all is well? How can I begin to feel happy in in the ease, in the comfort, in wealth and health and happiness and joy and relationships. Um, and and how can I still have that fighter personality, but maybe direct it in ways where I'm in charge of it, right? So maybe I put myself in challenging situations because I'm going to sign up for an ultra marathon. Great. That's a huge challenge, right? Or I'm going to decide to completely change jobs and start over in a new job. But I'm going to wait until I have a nest egg of, of money and do it in a way that's not going to wreak havoc in the other areas of my life. Right. And it's it's kind of slowly moving from that quote unquote comfort zone to to something that is way more nourishing. Exactly. Sounds like, right. And so for me, when you when you describe all of these, I'm I'm also thinking of our children. So are we able to detect what our children's style is pretty early on? I think so. I mean, it's I think a lot of people that I mean, I also don't love to label children too early, <laughs> you know, because they're still evolving and growing. So I would say if as you're reading and learning about your style, you can see snippets of, oh, you know, like for instance, um, we recently, we, we got a cat. Well, not recently, it's been maybe a year and watching my boys and how they interact with the cat, how they show their love, for instance, for the cat taught me so much about like, you know, one of the boys constantly verbally is saying, I love you so much, Andy. I love you. You're the best. Talking, talking to the cat always. Another one took on all the responsibility of feeding him, making sure, or I mean, feeding her, sorry, feeding her, making sure she, her bowls are clean. The water's clean. A hundred percent just take, took over that part. That's how he shows his 
I mean, he also plays with her and cuddles her and whatnot, but nope, none of my other boys did that. <laughs> you know, he was the one that took that on. And, you know, it really taught me a lot about their personalities and what helps them feel safe and loved just by watching how they show their love and affection to our cat. So I think similarly, you know, as you're reading and learning about the five anxiety styles, you will take note, you'll say, oh, you know what? I think my daughter might be this style because man, last week when we all of a sudden had to change plans and we forgot to like mention it to her until the last minute, she was very upset and very aggravated and irritable the whole time, even though we thought it was like a good surprise. That sounds more or less like most children, but <laughs> at, at least young children don't 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 like their routine being messed with. A but, lot yeah. of them, yeah, because it's about safety and and so yes, so I think that if you if you keep that in mind, it might help you, you know, try out different ways to articulate um, the you know different situations to them so that they can continue to feel safe. Right, and then and then what I'm assuming is that also knowing your kind of, you know, stress style or, or anxiety style is how you're also dealing with maybe just your, your, your child's personality or the triggers that might come up when they are having a meltdown or so forth, because. Oh, definitely. Right. That's going to get you probably in high alert. I mean, imagine a lover mom who has a child who's having a tantrum who happens to say, I don't like you. I hate you. You know, that's going to, it's going to trigger a lover mom very differently from, you know, a visionary or a dynamo. And so, you know, knowing that about yourself and knowing, okay, it doesn't have anything to do with you. This is just how, what your child is saying at the moment, but you know that you have a little sensitivity to that. Right. And then you, you, then you have the tools to be able to deal with it. Exactly. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this has been very enlightening and, and I really like learning about these five um, different styles. So thank you for sharing about that. And uh, as we wrap up, I always like to kind of ask a more personal question, if I may. Of course. So you mentioned that your eldest is 15. Yes. So if you were to go back 16 years ago when you were expecting your first child, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Oh, I mean, so many are flooding my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I had to pick just one. So I would say that you know a lot of people are going to give you advice. And at the end of the day, you know yourself best. And even though this is a new chapter in your life and it might be new to you and you will learn, you can learn lots of things from other people who are more experienced at the end of the day, you know yourself best and you know your child best too. And so trust yourself. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So important. Uh, and, and you, you, you know, in other words, but you are not the first guest that has said that. And I think that is just so important. Um, and as we, as we part, uh, any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Um, I, you know, I would just like to say, you know, if they do, if they do pick up the book, I have a lot of 
bonus content that comes with it. So guided meditations for each anxiety style, guided mantras um, for each anxiety style, sleep tips, and you know a bunch of things like that that are things that I wish I had had when I was kind of in the weeds with five children, five and un- or no, not five children, four children, five and under. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, I try to put together things that I think are most helpful for parents who have limited time and energy and attention. Um, And so I would just say, you know, choose one thing at a time that you already feel in your gut would be helpful to your life. Bring a little bit of joy, a little bit of calm, a little bit of laughter and do that. Do that one thing, you know, and then when you've been doing that for a while, then you can add a second thing. But I think it's easy when you hear um, advice or suggestions or, or new frameworks like this, that you kind of feel like, oh, that's either that's a lot. And I just like, I don't even have the bandwidth for any of it, or I want to do all of it. And so I always recommend to people is just, you know, choose one thing and, and then move on from there. Beautiful. Thank you. And the the links will be in the show note. And this book is coming out uh, next week. June, yeah, June 6th, The Unflustered Mom. Beautiful. Well, congratulations on on writing a book because I know I know it's a big job, but I know you also that's your way of communicating. So yeah, oh, that's my that's, that's what I love to do. So it's very fun for me. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much, Amber, for for sharing all of this and, and your wisdom today. My pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time. 